Oh, clap your hands to the Lord, everybody. Can we give God some praise in this place right now? Go ahead and make a joyful noise to the Lord all over this place. Lift your voices, everybody. Hallelujah. Let us fill this place with praise. Amen, amen. Isn't he great and greatly to be praised? Oh, hallelujah. We exalt you, O oh God, and we lift you up. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like to welcome everybody here to the Church of Omaha for our first half of service. It's a blessing to be here in the house of the Lord with you all. I'd like to welcome those who are joining online from wherever they're joining, maybe on the drive here, maybe in their living rooms, wherever. We're so glad that you're able to join us online, and I'm thankful for the technology to do so. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand as we get right into the word of the Lord this morning. And if you'll turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll wait for a few moments as we all turn our pages or our devices and those types of things. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 1, says, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, Amen. casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Amen. Let us pray. Father, let your perfect will be accomplished in this place today. Help me, Lord, to be nothing more and nothing less than a vessel for you and what you want to minister here today. Lord, help us to be hearers and doers of your word today and every day. And I thank you, Lord, for your word, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. In the name of Jesus, and everybody say amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. It has been said that the mind is a battlefield. Paul realized this as we just read, and as he so eloquently and clearly does, presented this to the Corinthians in such a way that it's not what's around you that's the battlefield. It's what's in your mind. What you fill your thoughts with. The battlefield of the mind cannot be fought with swords, it cannot be fought with cannons. It cannot be fought with stones. It cannot be fought with guns or any carnal weapons as such. We cannot physically fight in the battlefield of our mind. Paul states clearly that one must take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that is what the Lord has put in my spirit for this morning. For our time together this morning, I want to teach and preach to you on this title, Captive, the Battlefield of the Mind. Captive, the Battlefield of the Mind. Throughout Scripture, we read of many times where people are taken into physical captivity. Look at Joseph, who was thrown into prison with the baker and the butler. 
He prophesied even though his surroundings would encourage otherwise. Look at Daniel, who was thrown into the lion's den for praying three times a day. But the lion's mouths were kept shut. Look at Paul, who was imprisoned on many occasions and was watched over by the imperial guard, which were what we considered to be the special forces. He was also under house arrest. And then we see Samson, who was bound by the Philistines, who was hated by the Philistines. Oh, hallelujah. But then we see Jesus, who was persecuted unto death by the same people who praised him. Just to name a few. When these men that we read of were placed into physical captivity, you would be hard-pressed to find that their mindset changed to that of a Woe is me. I can't believe this is happening to me. Why? Because of their mindset. They knew what had to happen. They knew the greater purpose for it all. They trusted in God's timing above all else. They had a made-up mind. They kept their minds fixed on the Lord through every trial and every tribulation. But they had to make that choice to not let their surrounding situation affect their mindset. Were they going to be affected by their surroundings or not? Were they going to be negatively influenced by their present Circumstances? You see, Paul had the greatest opportunity while in prison. Remember Paul being chained to two guards at a time? It's been said that there were some 1,600 guards that passed through and were chained to Paul. And oh, what a prime opportunity for Paul. Hear me. I have, I have to believe that Paul, being who he was, witnessed to each of those guards. And those guards reported back to the other guards. And those guards reported back to the higher-ups. And those higher-ups reported back to families. And those families reported back to other families. And those families to other families. And the spread of the gospel could not be stopped. What's more, while on house arrest, Paul taught all of the imperial guard who were watching over him. He wrote letters while in house arrest. Hear me, but it all started with a made-up mind. It all started with that initial thought taken captive. Rather than being led by an emotion, he was led by Jesus to continue to share, to continue to witness, to continue to be a vessel wherever whenever and however it was needed at that time. If he couldn't be somewhere in person, he wrote letters. If he could visit, he went and visited. He wasn't afraid of what was going to happen to him. He went anyway. And we see Samson, who was bound by the Philistines, who, who was just hanging like this. They cut his hair. They burned his eyes out. But did that stop Samson from what God had him to do? The answer is no. It's been said that Samson killed more Philistines in his death 
than he did while he was alive. <laughs> In the battlefield of your mind, it is imperative that you take your thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When we see captivity here, it means to take captive in war, to subdue, to ensnare. So when one takes their thoughts captive, they are ensnaring those thoughts. They are trapping those thoughts. When something is trapped, it is stuck. It cannot move. It's not free to move. It cannot do as it would normally do. It cannot perform like it would like to perform. When hunters set their traps to catch bears, mountain lions, or whatever animals, when those animals are ensnared in those traps, they still try to get away. Why? But they can't because, well, they're trapped. Amen. When you trap those thoughts, you make it to where they no longer have dominion. They no longer have control. They no longer have a say on your life. Oh, but just like the animal that is trapped, it's not happy to be there. It's not where it wants to be. It still wants to get away. It still wants to be free. So are the thoughts that you've just taken captive. They want to be free. So you do as Paul says. Not only taking them captive, but bringing those thoughts to the obedience of Christ. The thoughts must obey the word of the Lord. The thoughts must obey, thus saith the Lord. Do not combat worldly thoughts with worldly wisdom. Oh, for Paul writes just a couple verses before that in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. This is not some physical war like we are seeing in the news. It's not something that can necessarily be seen. It can't be fought. It can't be ensnared. It can't be subdued with our hands. It is not of the flesh. It is spirit. Oh, for this world is not our home. We are just pilgrims passing through. You may be walking in the flesh, but the enemy at hand is not. There is a spiritual battle. When you pray, ask the Lord to captivate your mind. Captivate your mind to the point that there is no room for anything else to enter in. Completely and wholly saturating every last thought. Hallelujah. And how is it that we take our thoughts captive? Although we can say, just pray about it. Just pray about it. I'm 110% for that, and I believe that. But, but I also believe that there are tools that we can take with us, that we can put in our arsenal to help us when we pray, when we take captive those thoughts. Excuse me for a moment. In the battlefield of your mind, we have to have an arsenal ready. Amen? We have to be ready on all sides. We have to be prepared beforehand. So how do I take my thoughts captive? Number one, I accept responsibility for my thoughts. You have the ability to exercise control over your thoughts. 
God warned Cain to focus his mind on the right things, but Cain chose to think about wrong things. He chose to think about anger and jealousy, which led to his murderous actions. The question that needs to be asked is, are you willing to admit that you can, with God, regain control of your thoughts and think enabling thoughts instead of disabling thoughts? The Lord gave you and I the power to control how we think. He gave us the ability from the dawn of creation to choose. To choose the actions we take, the words we speak, and yes the thoughts that we think. But sometimes, sometimes we fall into the trap, sometimes set by our, excuse me, by our own thoughts, followed by the confusion as to why we got where we were. How did I get here? When you take responsibility for those thoughts, you take control. When you take control, God takes up residence in the midst of that. Hallelujah. Number two, your mind, not just your behavior, must change. God calls us to change sinful behavior that does not honor Him. Instead of focusing on your outward behavior, what everyone can see, first work on disciplining your mind from which your outward behaviors stem from. And as I preached on a couple weeks back from Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in Proverbs 23 7, we read, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Church, you have to allow God, you have, you have to allow God to transform you by the renewing of your mind. Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 6, verse 44 and 45. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the, treasure, uh, out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart the mouth, his mouth speaketh. O oh, church, it starts on the inside. It starts here. And it starts here. It has to start there. Do you desire to do that which is good? Start thinking that which is good. Do you desire to do that which pleases the Lord? Allow the Lord to saturate you with His Word. When those problematic thoughts come your way, because they will. Yep, I said it. I look out over this congregation and I can safely say that a better half, if not all of us, have already had some kind of problematic thought today. But hear me, when you experience these difficult things, when you experience things that stir up those problematic thoughts, it's easy to get upset at the situation. It's easy to react to them and think yourself into despair every time. How am I going to get myself out of this? Why did I get here in the first place? Why did that happen? Why didn't that happen? But it's the word to say that I need to prepare myself for when that happens again. I got to get into his word. He is my ever-present help in time 
of need. Let me say that again. He is your ever-present help in time of need. What does ever-present mean? Always present. That means you can call on him at any time, church. That means you can call on him right now if you need to call on him right now. I'm not going to say you can't because thus saith the Lord, he is my ever-present help in time of need. If I need to take time for a few moments and say, I need you, Lord, I'm going to say it. It don't matter who's around me. Hallelujah. Don't get trapped. Don't get trapped. Don't become captive to those disabling thoughts. You are capable of getting out of your shame, your despair, your hopelessness, your anger, your frustration by taking your thoughts captive. When one has these disabling thoughts, we must confess them to Christ. In the confrontation of those thoughts, you are taking captive. You take control. You have the upper hand, but not just any upper hand, but the upper hand. Hallelujah. Paul writes in Romans 12, 21, Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't keep those captive thoughts to yourself, but turn them over to God. That is obedience. Overcoming evil with good. Not our good, for it is but filthy rags, but His good. He is good. He is the only good. We can only find true goodness through Him. Amen. But hear me, church, it's, going, it's, it's not going to be some walk in the park to take these thoughts captive. For there is a battle for your mind. The enemy wants your mind just as much as Jesus Christ wants your mind. And hear me, I understand. I understand that there are real things that happen to real people. There are real hurts that happen to real people. I stand before you today with real things that have really hurt me. I stand before a congregation that has experienced real hurts. These real hurts can cause thoughts of shame, despair, hopelessness, and anger. And yes, yes, there is help from therapists, counselors, and those who help with those such a things, and I believe there's a special place in heaven for those people. So hear me, with all of those things, and the therapists and the counselors will tell you, you work through those thoughts. In order to work through those thoughts, you have to realize that they're there. You have to take them captive. You have to trap them. You have to bring them into the obedience of Christ. If you've been filled with His Spirit, you have authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. You have the authority over all power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. You have the authority to handle your thoughts how God desires you to. To think on the right things. To think on that which is true. That which is honest. That which is just. That which is pure and lovely and of good report of any virtue worthy of any praise. You have the power, hallelujah, to think on these right things. Remember, it starts with a made-up mind. We are promised 
that if we think on such things, that we will have peace. Anybody need peace in this place? Hmm. And remember, the thoughts that you have shape your reality. Someone needs to hear this today. It's not just that you take your thoughts captive. For you alone, just leave your mind swept clean. While you take your thoughts captive, it is crucial that God fills you back up again. Ah, but there is also a choice there. You have to allow that also. An empty space is just as dangerous, albeit more dangerous, than a mind filled with filth. Now hear me. Here's why. Go to Luke chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Nice pictures on the wall. Furniture's all put together. The bed's all made. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Let me show you. Jeff, come here for a minute. Jeff, let's say you're up here. At his, come up here at this altar. Lift your hands. And Jeff's just been delivered of an unclean spirit. He's prayed. He's been delivered. Now, Jeff, go walk around for a little bit. Here I am, the unclean spirit. And I'm just going to follow Jeff a few steps behind because Jeff's just going to go about his day. Now, now, listen. Now, hear me here because I'm just going to follow him. Keep going, Jeff. Go a little faster. Here we go. I'm going to follow him around because I'm waiting for my opportunity to come back again inside of him. But it's not just me because I've got seven other people out here. I thought about bringing seven other people up here. But the seven other people are bigger than me and I don't really see anyone. But anyway, so, so Jeff, let's say Jeff walks out of the church. You can stop right there. Let's say Jeff walks out of the church. He gets in his car. He gets onto the corner of 108th and Maple. And, and he turns the corner to go onto the interstate. And then an oncoming car comes because they forget to stop and they sideswipe him. Jeff starts to think things like, why did that happen? Why did that happen to me? What am I going to do about it? I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm going to get out and have my way with this guy or gal because that's what I want to do. What did Jeff forget to do before or after he was swept clean? He forgot to fill himself back up again. And it wasn't just him, but it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven others. So he was filled with eight again. If you can imagine eight people being around Jeff, tormenting Jeff to the point, now he's got to get rid of eight. And then when he gets swept clean of those, seven times eight come back again, which makes what? 56. And so on and so forth. Now hear me. You thought one was bad. You just wait until you don't fill yourself back up again and hear me because eight will come back and then 56 will come back and I'm trying to do the math here real quick, but so many more will come back. That's why you have to choose to fill your, thank you, Jeff. That's why you have to choose to fill yourself up again when you're emptied out. Now hear me. The warning here is that eight will return if you don't fill yourself up with Jesus. And those eight, when delivered, cast out, thrown to the curb with their belongings because the scripture says it's been cleaned and garnished. There's a nice chair over here. They all bring back seven of their friends. They begin to build more rooms in this house because they plan on getting comfortable. I'll say it again. You have to fill yourself up with him. Don't leave your house 
clean, and empty. Consider the man with a legion of unclean spirits. Do you think that the man with this legion of unclean spirits started with that many? Well, based on what we just read from the very mouth of Jesus, he too started with one. So my question, and please don't do the math, but travel this road. How many times did it take for this man to be delivered and not filled up again for him to have a legion of unclean spirits? How many? Jesus is giving a clear warning to his people. This is what happens when one does not heed to his word. It's the word, church. It is critical for you to fill yourself with, up with all of him. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, when the church was born, they were not there by accident. People didn't just walk into the room thinking, hmm, this is a nice place. I wonder if they have any food here. I wonder if they have a TV here. I wonder, I wonder if, who else is going to be here. They didn't even worry about who else was going to be there. They didn't get on their phone and scroll Facebook for five minutes or however long they were there waiting for the promise of the Father. No, they were there on purpose. They were there because they knew the promise that was to come. It, it wasn't like they were, there. again, they were there on accident and bam, they were filled with the Spirit. Oh no. Nobody had to twist their arm, tie them up, bind them in chains to get them to come to the upper room. No, the Bible says that they tarried. They were there on purpose. They knew what was promised and they were going to wait with expectation until it happened. When there's an altar call, as we call it, and sometimes someone comes who has not been filled with the Spirit, comes up here, they are coming on their own accord. I don't ever see someone from the pastor, I've never seen Pastor Lucas, Bishop, Pastor Jeremy, or anyone for that matter, dragging anyone to this altar, kicking and screaming. No, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, you can't make me. No, it's never happened like that. They've always came on their own accord. They might have been encouraged, but nobody had to twist their arm either. It was Jesus. How is it that they were filled? There were no distractions. There were no ailments. Complete submission to even the most unruly member of the body, the tongue. Oh, hear me, church. If you leave this place delivered, make sure when you leave that you stay delivered. When you leave this place cleaned out, don't just stay cleaned out. Don't just make the house look nice and ready to move in. Allow God to encamp, to reside within you. This past week I was out of town and I stayed in a, in a residence inn. Really nice hotel, by the way. But, but when I got to the hotel, I didn't just leave my clothes in the bag. You know what I did? I unpacked everything. I knew I was going to be there for a few days. I'm like, all right, well, I've got to make myself comfortable. I've got to make this place feel like home for a few days. Now, granted, I didn't use the stove. I didn't use the microwave. I used the refrigerator. But I used these things. I put my undershirts or what have you in the drawers. I hung up my dress shirts and slacks in the closet. I put my soap and shampoo. Yes, I use shampoo. In the shower. <laughs> I got my toothbrush out, and I organized everything. I turned that place that I am residing into a home, but hear me, I made it feel as homey as I could while I was away from home. But after a couple days of staying there, I cleaned it up and I tried to leave it better than I came. The people 
The housekeepers come by after I'm done and clean the room up so that the next person has a nice place to stay. They make it look like it hasn't been resided in just hours before. But church, Jesus wants to do more than just dwell in a hotel, a motel, or some kind of vacation lodge. He wants to do more than just have you flash your no vacancy sign, but for a few days. No, Jesus wants to take up permanent residence in your heart and in your mind. Oh, hallelujah. He wants to take up permanent residence in your heart. And just like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not only do you need to dwell in the house of the Lord, but he needs to dwell with you. The two go hand in hand. If you're going to dwell with him, he's going to dwell with you. Hallelujah. Jesus desires to do the same. It is F-O-R-E-V-E-R. Forever, forever, forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> Eternally. But from now until your very last breath, until you hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When you sweep yourself clean and allow Jesus to take up residence within you, he wants to feel at home. Jesus won't enter where he is not welcome. Mm -hmm. As Jesus enters in and you fill yourself up with him, those changes that happen within will overflow from out of you. It's more than just looking better on the outside. You may be able to appear okay on the outside when in reality the inside is wrestling against these principalities and the rulers of the darkness. You may be able to trick the people around you, but you can never trick the Lord. In 1 Samuel 15, we see Saul attempt to do just this. Samuel cut straight to the point with Saul when he, when, in what we read as verse 22 when he told him obedience is better than sacrifice. And I'll get to the scripture in just a minute. But Samuel was told by God to tell Saul to kill all of the Amalekites. Every last one of them. Saul went and killed almost all. There's disobedience. God told Samuel to return to Saul, and Saul approached him saying, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Hey, Samuel, I did what you told me to. Guess what? His obedience, his disobedience, led him to lie about it. He couldn't stand it. Samuel cut, cut right through walking Saul through what he was supposed to do but did not do, saying, well, you were supposed to do this, but you didn't do it. You were supposed to do that, but you didn't do it. Saul went on further to say that it was the people who took the spoils. It wasn't me. I didn't take the spoils. I don't know what you're talking about. And those things which should have been utterly destroyed, Saul is really digging himself a deep hole, and he just keeps on digging. To which Samuel finally says in verse 22, put it up there, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is, the, is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he, th he hath also rejected thee, from being king. Saul blamed others in an effort to justify his disobedience. Samuel tells Saul, you have to obey. These sacrifices mean nothing without you first obeying his word. 
Church, you may be doing a great work here at the Church of Omaha. You may be teaching a home Bible study. You may be teaching a Sunday school class. You may be one of the greatest singers on the praise team. You may vacuum the church on a Saturday afternoon. You may be an usher on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. You may be working back in the nursery right now. These are all great things. Don't get me wrong, please. But if you are not taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, those works are just works. And I'm sorry, I may be stepping on a few toes here, but I promise you it's true. That is why Samuel said to Saul that obedience is better than sacrifice. I'm thankful to be a part of such a great church which serves others to a capacity that other churches want to mirror. But with this service to the kingdom comes a right relationship with Christ. When rebellion enters in, obedience is better than sacrifice. When stubbornness enters in, obedience is better than sacrifice. Let me show you for just a second. Let's say you've got some things stirring up in your heart that you just need to take care of, but you've got some work to be done over there. Can I tell somebody that that work can wait? Let's say you've got a minister on a Sunday morning, but you've had some things happen at home that, that you just haven't quite dealt with yet. Well, you better go talk to somebody first because somebody else could probably take your place. But you've got to deal with those things first. That's why the Bible says we, we put, our, put our gifts down and we make ourselves right with him before we do those things. Now, again, I'm thankful that we all serve in the church in some capacity. But we've got to have a right relationship with him because that's where it begins, church. <laughs> you know, it's great that we have all these gifts, but these gifts mean nothing without obedience to him. These gifts mean nothing without a right relationship with him. These gifts mean nothing without Jesus. Church, don't wait until you're caught on the wrong side. Don't wait. Take your thoughts, every single one of them, into captivity. The only way for a right relationship with Christ is to obey. How do we obey? By taking our thoughts captive. And as you take your thoughts captive, the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. The Lord wants to lead the charge in this battlefield of your mind. Your mind outside of Christ will tell you that it's okay to not deal with it right now. Your mind outside of Christ will tell you that I can just deal with that some other time. It'll, it'll go away eventually. Your mind outside of Christ will tell you that you don't need Christ to help you deal with those things. But I just showed you with the, with the thing right there that I did with Jeff, that if, if you don't bring it into the obedience of Christ, those thoughts are going to come back sevenfold. If you don't deal with it, if you don't bring it into the obedience of Christ, that attack's going to come back sevenfold. You're going to be so overcome by everything that you may not be able to stand anymore. So hear me, it starts with Him. Not only does it start with Him, but it ends with Him. If we, are going to have a st if we are going to have our ending with him, we've got to start with him. Because without him, the ending is grim, amen? Without him, the ending is not good, not good. You know, it, 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 with, when you think of these things outside of Christ, the distractions start to come your way, saying, ah, you know, I'm just going to make a phone call to somebody real quick, and then I'll deal with it. Or I'm just going to, you know, pull up YouTube for a few minutes and watch some videos. Even if they're good videos, I'm just going to watch them. But you've got to deal with these things, church. The enemy wants to have your mind. 
Jesus Christ wants to have your mind. An empty mind is the devil's playground. The enemy's playground is a distracted mind. As long as the enemy of your soul can keep you distracted, the enemy has you right where he wants you. Oh, that a church would begin to rise up and regain focus. I wonder if we can just stand all over this place. We've got about four minutes left. But I want us to pray. I want us to pray right now and say, Lord, I need this right mind. Lord, I pray to you. I give you my thoughts. I take, I take them captive. And I bring them into your obedience, Lord God. Whatever it may be, I give it to you. And Lord, fill me up again. Go ahead and say that. Fill me up again, oh God. Fill me up again. Fill me to the brim, Lord Jesus, so that I can no longer have these thoughts. Lord, help me so that I can deal with things again if I need to. Oh, Lord, I am nothing without you. Oh, Lord, I can't do it without you. I don't want to do it without you. I need you, Lord, to encompass every bit of my being, every ounce of my being, every bit of my heart, every bit of my mind. Oh, help me, Lord. Go ahead and pray to him right now. Come on, the Lord wants to deliver you in this place. The Lord wants to heal you in this place right now. There's healing in this place. Hallelujah. I speak it over your life right now. I speak it over your family right now. I speak it over your circumstance right now. Jesus! Jesus, take over. Jesus, take over it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, take control of my mind, oh God. I give it to you, dear Lord. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Tell him that you love him. Come on, tell him that you love him right now. Tell him that you want more of him. Hallelujah. Go ahead and declare him over your life right now. Hallelujah. Declare him over everything. Hallelujah. Oh, lift your hands and your voices all over this place and make a joyful noise to the Lord. Go ahead and thank him for what he's done. Thank him for what he's going to do. Hallelujah. He may not have done it yet, but he's a work. We're all works in progress in this place. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for your truth. We thank you, Lord, for your peace which passes understanding. Oh, Lord, we take every thought captive and bring it into your obedience, oh God. We want to obey your word. We want to fulfill your word. We want to hear you say on that day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We want to have thoughts that are pleasing to you. We want to do things that are pleasing to you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We've got about a minute or so left, but I want to tell you this. I want to... The Lord desires all of you. All of you includes everything. There's nothing outside of that. The Lord desires to be number one in each and every one of your lives. And as He's number one in each and every one of your lives, everything else will come into place. Now it may not be... Now listen... So as you follow Christ, watch what happens around you. Watch your circumstances change. Watch your thoughts begin to mold into that which is of Him. In Jesus' name. Can we clap our hands to the Lord? Come on, hallelujah. Let us clap our hands to the Lord all over this place. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, which is quick and powerful, O oh God. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which is mighty to save. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join us here in about 10 minutes. We'll take a quick break. Uh, join us here for our second half and be blessed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.